Hello and welcome back. Do that bit again because you can't. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ringer FC. I'm Isak Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Dare I ask? <laughs> I'm all right, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How is 2021 treating you? It's all right. Football-wise, very fun. Very fun. Yeah, like... I've already got tonsillitis, though, which oh. is why I might be a bit like, meh, today. Oh. Apart from that, not too bad. It snowed as well this weekend. Yeah, and the snow actually settled a bit, which is a bit satisfying. I mean, it settled for a few hours, but it's quite nice having some. How are you, Musa? I'm good. I'm very well, actually. Very well indeed. I had a bit of a scare the other day because I felt the heating was, the heating sort of slightly died in our building, which wasn't great because it's like one degree at the moment, uh, one degree Celsius. That recovered and so did I. So I've been relaxing, uh, had a lot of writing deadlines end of the year. And to be honest, the start of this year, I'm kind of just coasting a little bit, a little bit. Game management. Exactly. Load management. Load yes. management. That's load, it. load management. Yeah. Load management. Yeah. Yeah. You got a book out soon. I do. In the end, it was all about love coming out. Uh, rough trade books. January 26th. Very excited about Ooh. that. Yeah. Yeah. Very excited. Yeah. That's amazing. Congrats, man. And then you've Excellent. got one of them coming out. When's that out? April 15th. Yeah. Look at you, old Musa. Two books. Yeah. Two books. Ah, yes. Two yeah. books of Gwanga. Exactly. So we're back. We're back. Yeah. Did we ever go away? Officially, no. Right. Because we did two podcasts last week, but we weren't, we'd, they were pre-records. Mm. Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, indeed. We hope this year treats you a hell of a lot kinder than last year did. I mean, that's a low bar, but still. It is. But if there is anything that this podcast brings, it is a low bar. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so bleak. That's so... Hey. Point out the lie and I'll apologise. <laughs> there's, there's no lies. There's no lies. Yep. But yeah, Happy New Year. We hope you had a good Christmas and New Year. We uh, ended up doing New Year together, didn't we? Because we both realised that we were going to be home alone. Yep, yep. That's right. And then um, we found out the news about MF Doom passing away and uh, ended up just drinking and listening to the Doom back catalogue all evening. I've listened to nothing but Doom since, he's pa- since he passed, you know, because I'm like, I think I'm in denial. But the funny yeah. thing is, two, two days before Doom passed, I went to bed listening to Rhinestone Cowboy on repeat. Mm. It was a really soothing way to get to sleep because I was having trouble sleeping and it, it was the ideal tune. So it was very present in my mind. Like his music mm. was, I'd been listening to it, you know, and we'd referenced the podcast many times as well. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The, only, the only tune we've ever wheeled yeah, on an outro right. tune was, and actually we're going to play out on that one again today. We're going to yeah, do the first really, ever, yeah. first ever repeat. Yeah, shout out to all Doom fans. Do you want to hear a Doom story quick? Oh, go for it, go for it. So in my previous life, we crossed paths a couple of times. And there was once we were going to do a show in Manchester and I used to live really close to the venue. Me and my flatmate at the time, we saw a tour bus from our window and we were like, there's a guy still outside. We were like, that's Doom. We went and had a wander down anyway because we had to go down there at some point. This is obviously just the middle of the day. And uh, there's this guy stood there, no mask on just his glasses, stood next to the tour bus, just playing with the remote control car. <laughs> Such a, so doom. We walked past and he looked at me and looked at my mate, Johnny, and he kind of clocked that we knew who he was. <laughs> and he gave us both a nod. And then next second, literally, he was back on the tour bus. Just sort of scurried back. But I swear I heard like one of those comic book, like, and yeah. his feet like scurried back onto the tour, the tour bus. Love that, story. Love that story. Love Doom, man. So today we're going to talk a little bit about Premier League, a bit about Bundesliga. There was an old firm derby. There was a Super Classico over the weekend as well. Touch on a bit of Serie A, a little bit of La Liga. All right, let's get into the football after this. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. 
So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Right, man, where do you want to begin? Can we begin with Arsenal, actually? You want to begin with Arsenal? Yeah, not because it was the um, most pivotal result of the weekend, because it wasn't the highest profile fixture, but because actually I just wanted to kind of get in there and be like, Arteta can coach. And maybe sometimes, you know, we look at a squad and a squad's got big assets you're expected to play. So Arsenal beat West Brom 4-0, big game. And the kind of game that actually, given some of Arsenal's recent form, they might have gone into really fearing. And what was exciting about this, it's very cold conditions, not necessarily terrible, but very cold conditions, certainly. They played with so much freedom. And the reason I want to start with this fixture is because it's very easy to write off coaches. But I think we also don't consider that sometimes when you've got expensive assets in your squad, there's almost a subconscious pressure to play them. Like, you know, you've spent 70 million on a player like Pepe, 72 million, whatever. You've given huge wages to Willian. These are kind of expensive players and senior players. Mm. But there's a point where you're almost like, you know what, I'm going to like liberate this squad and give younger players, the, um, give them the reins, give them the reins. And Arteta gave Young player, the re- young players, the reins, and was rewarded in a really exciting fashion. This is as exciting I've seen Arsenal this year, probably the best performance this year, I would say. And the circumstances make the margin of uh, victory all the more impressive, I think, too. So, shout out to them. Shouts to Orbino had a few stats that were really eye-catching: twelve shots on target, the most in the Premier League game since they lost three-one at home to Manchester United in December 2017. And also they had 21 shots overall and they are the highest, that was the highest figures managed by an Arsenal side under Mikel Arteta in the Premier League. Right. Positive goal difference for the first time in two months. And I I was wondering whether the cold maybe was the reason why there was so much good movement because everyone was just trying to stay warm. Yeah. Yeah, that can go, that can cut both ways to be honest. That can cut both ways, yeah. 20% of their Premier League goals a season happened in the the West Brom game. (laughs) Wow. I like this one. You'll like this one. Kyle Saka scored the same number of Premier League goals as George Ware. <laughs> I love that. His goal actually was really lovely. Oh my, that was a very Arsenal goal. You were trying to talk to me about this last night on the phone so desperately and I just said, please save it for the podcast. So, Musa. Yeah, it's the way that Emil Smith-Rowe plays that ball around the corner. That pass right there, I was like, that, when I saw that, because, you know, I've seen Smith Rowe before and I'm not really, you know, I hadn't really seen the thing that I wanted to see. And I saw that and I was like, yes, that hammering the ball through a gap early on the turn and then running for the next ball, like the decision was already made. I was watching some uh, Pirlo highlights this weekend. I was, you know, went a bit of a rabbit hole as I often do. So watching some Sadorf and Sadorf was like, Pirlo was my midfield partner. So I went and watched Pillow and there's that thing that Pillow did when Pillow received possession and already, you know, this is, it's, it's basic football to, you know, to already have the idea of the pass before. It's not, it's not a new thing, but there's a particular pass that Pillow plays where he's got, say he's got Gattuso and Sadov either side of him who are kind of his midfield minders and he receives the ball on the halfway line on the half turn and then just like smuggles it through the gap to Kaka between four players. Mm. And I was like, yes. And when I saw the Smith Rowe pass, I was like, that to me, because so much of Arsenal's play this year has been like, oh my gosh, Arsenal score one type of goal. They play out from the back and it's very patient, but it relies on so many things working. But to do that against a deep line defence that's desperate to keep you out. And the way that he just opened them up, the give and go, like we've been talking all season about 
what they're missing in terms of creativity in front of those defensive midfield two and behind the front man. And you see how Lacazette was liberated. And there was a, a something that um, one of the Arsenal fans tweeted, it was a viral tweet, I think it was Gunner blog about secret that Lacazette's better through the middle and above out wide. I was like, well, yeah, that's what, well, yeah. That, that's, that, 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 that's what I would always say. And, and, and Lacazette was, you know, he's been starved. And I've seen some of the criticism. The reason I want to start with Arsenal is not because it was the biggest fixture of the weekend, but because I think it's really important sometimes to stop this momentum of, oh, this player's terrible. No, no, like it's, you have to have the pieces. Mm. And Arteta was really bold against West Brom. And for the first time in weeks, Saka did not look burdened by creative and excessive creative workload. Arsenal was so reliant on that left-hand side. And actually, I think that moving Saka to the right, you know, when you have Tierney on the left and Saka on the right, yeah, it's actually a much, you're creating threats from both flanks, whereas Arsenal was so, so reliant on that left-hand side for so long. It was quite easy to predict. I think if you shut down that left-hand side, you shut down Arsenal a lot of the time. And, you know, three wins in three during the Christmas period. So, yeah, pretty positive, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's obviously clear by now that Kieran Tierney performs even better in colder temperatures. In natural habitat. <laughs> yeah, the frost, the frost giant, as, I, as I'm calling him, I think. Um, he was superb. Gorgeous goal. Um, His goal was so good, man. So good. I mean, how many times, you don't really see that that often in the top flight where the old poke around the side and run around the other side. You don't really see that from a standing... You know what was so amazing about it? What was amazing about poking the other side? What was amazing about the beginning of the dribble? And I watched that. I watched the opening of that goal so many times. I love what he does when he catches up with the ball and he steps Mm. over it to bring it inside his stride. That Mm. use of body swerve is like amazing. He looked a big angry celebration as well. Yeah, yeah, that that meant a lot. The second one for me was the goal. Yeah, that was the one. That was the one. Yeah. Because that, that to me is like, oh, now you're doing that. Now you're breaking down teams with mm. like combination play and you're walking the ball into the net. When you're doing mm. that, yeah, like that team's going to be fine. Arsenal's going to be fine. Hope so. Uh, let's move on to Chelsea Man City. Yes. Because the shockwaves of this game might be felt for long. Manchester City won 3 1. Mm-hmm. Superb performance. Can I just say actually very quickly, um, shout out to Liam Toomey at The Athletic because he wrote a piece about the Chelsea board considering other options for Frank Lampard, replacements for Frank Lampard. And I, I just want to say this because it takes a lot of guts to write pieces like that. It's not popular. And I know this sounds a bit like, you know, breaking the fourth wall, but I think it's important to give credit to journalists sometimes because so much about, you know, we love to celebrate the good things in the game, but no one wants to be the bearer of bad tidings, especially someone mm-hmm. like Liam, who's a, you know, big, big Chelsea fan. And um, the fact that the Chelsea board are actually being more radical than any of us. Like we've all criticised Lampard, right? We've criticised that different ways. But I don't know there's many people on social media who've been like, actually no, sack the guy. The fact that Chelsea's board have already been looking, to me was like, that was super interesting. Does that make sense? I, I, was, I, was, I was surprised they'd been so... I'm not actually, because Chelsea have a habit of... We know that, but still, it's, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're recording this ahead of Liverpool-Southampton. A point for Southampton would take them above Chelsea and then Chelsea would be ninth. Mm. They're level on points with Villa who have two games in hand on them. And if you look at the outlay that they spent in the summer, I think it's actually perfectly reasonable, weirdly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's it, unfortunately. Uh, but I think there's a, there's a thing with, with Lampard and it's a similar thing that happens with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well, where... Well, a lot of criticism or praise seems to be split into either ends of the spectrum. I think Frank Lampard has, has shown during his Chelsea, like his, his, during his time as Chelsea manager that he can, put, he can get his team playing well at mm. points, just like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer can. There are also times where he gets massively outthought by people and he yeah. can't figure out how to best use all of the pieces at his disposal. But on the other hand, one thing that he has been really good at at Chelsea, and I think he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for, is breaking this over-reliance on superstars and actually opening the door to... That's a legacy, yeah. Yeah, yeah creating a pathway for their youth players that, or yeah, their, yeah. the graduates from their youth system because they have always had a really good youth system, especially in the last decade or so. And the pathway to the first team for a number of those people has been just non-existent. 
Yeah. You know, he did it at the beginning of last season. Do you remember when he threw all of these Chelsea boys into starting lineup? It's been a really, really important process. I think it will be a difficult process for them if they go down that road. But at the same time, if you're going to look at it in cold, hard numbers, yeah, then you cannot spend that amount of money in the summer to add to a squad that was already pretty stacked anyway. Yes. And sit eighth in the Premier League almost halfway through the season. Well, actually, I want to put um, something else here. Um, we need to, obviously, we'll get onto City because Guardiola, this ultimately is, the story of this game was still part nine Manchester City and Guardiola basically Pete Guardiola doing very interesting things tactically and playing astonishing football for much of the game. But, but just to stay on Lampard for a second, I think the thing that will lose him goodwill, I think that will lose him goodwill, unfortunately, and the thing that can't be taken back is the way that he's talked about his players. To me, that's really a, a huge red flag, Brian. I have to say, like, Lampard looked like he was extremely under pressure. It, he looked like someone using parts of his own house as firewood. When I watched him talk about his players and the need to take control, need to play in the front foot, and I was like, hang on a minute, like these, against Arsenal, like, I didn't get the impression that Chelsea players weren't trying. Mm-hmm. I, I could accuse Chelsea of many things in that game against Arsenal, but one of them wasn't a lack of effort. And I thought that was really unfair, you know, to talk about Rhys James losing discipline down the flank and not tracking. I was like, well, no, Rhys James has been extraordinary. That's not, it's not how you motivate a player who's been so good for you. And, you know, if you consider like they, they brought in a fullback, Chilwell for like tens of millions and they haven't had to make that outlay on James because James has been that good. Mm. It's like a strange piece of messaging. And then you look at Hudson Odoi. Hudson Odoi was basically like kept away from Bayern, wasn't allowed to go there. Would have been an ex- extraordinary move for him. And it was so poignant that he scored the late goal. It was so poignant. It was like, oh, look mm. how. After coming on as a It was so fitting that Hudson Odoi was kind of like, here you go. Here's 10 minutes to do something. And like, why, why did you not let me go if you're going to sign this place? I, I, I really. The thing I have to criticise him for, and I've praised him before, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a fan at all of his man management, Brian. I'm not a fan mm. of it at all. I mean, I don't see everything that he does with those players, but I'm not a fan of that. Let's sort of talk about the game as well, because I want to get the tactical side of it. Manchester City, we've never seen, this is the thing, we've never seen peak Pep, we've never seen peak Guardiola, but we saw something close to it, both in the game and post-game. Post-game, defending... Um, his players who were going around and like flouting COVID rules. That was very Guardiola to kind of be like, you people are hypocrites, don't criticise players. It's very, On very- two ends of the spectrum, right? Yeah, Frank's throwing exactly. people under the bus and Guardiola's like- <laughs> Throwing everyone else under the bus, yeah, apart from his players. <laughs> but the other thing that was quite, was almost pick pep was the tactical setup, which is very interesting. So we had- Kevin De Bruyne is a false nine. Kevin De Bruyne is a false nine, basically a, almost like a 4-1-4-1. Well, yeah. a four, a four, or a 4 or a four five zero if he was the false nine. Foden wide on the left, Gundogan and um, Bernardo. Bernardo Silva through the middle and Sterling on the right flank and Rodri as the one, as the pivot. And just Chelsea were overwhelmed, overwhelmed by a Man City team who packed the middle mm. and who basically took complete advantage of the lack of midfield chemistry. You know, there was a lot of talk about how Chelsea couldn't, you know, play, get a hold on midfield, but when you're rapidly reconfiguring the midfield as Chelsea are, and you come up against a bunch of players who are as confident with interplay as those, those five or those six, that midfield six, basically, you know, I wonder what, the only question for me is at what point are we going to see Foden as a false nine on a regular basis, you know, and, you know, just, just, just because, just because, because I wouldn't put it past Pep to try that kind of thing now, like, and doing what he did with De Bruyne, De Bruyne are like supremely, superbly fluid. It's almost like he was really good, Kevin De Bruyne. He was, he was on the weekend. I mean, yeah, he was amazing. Mm. There were certain points. It was like um, when De Bruyne broke, and there were so many times they were like four against two and three Mm. against one, just outmatching. Man City, this is the thing, and I'm, I'm not saying that it's. I I joked on Twitter about Manchester United kind of awakening the beast in Man City. I don't think it was really that. I was kind of joking, sight, tongue, and cheek. At the same time. City have been massively underperforming. And the fact that, you know, it's almost like Pep and Arteta have had the similar revelation of why we tried to make this work when it's not working. In, in Arteta's case, you could say it was Willian and Pepe. It's not working. Let's and just David flip the Luis, script. Actually. 
Yeah, expensive and probably. to an extent, like, you know, we're trying to make, you know, Jesus and the finishing play the traditional nine. No, let's just actually, let's flip it. And uh, the, the beauty of this false nine system is there's quite a few city players that can play that effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also I think it, the thing that's so great about it is that it kind of invites people onto them. It does. And it they does. just torched Chelsea on the break as well. Horrible. Like absolutely Horrible. torched them. And for about half an hour, it was a little bit kind of like, stop Could it, they're already nil. dead thing. Could yeah. have been 6-0. Easily. It went Easily. very old school Serie A in the second half, didn't it? The old yeah. uh, gentleman's agreement. If Gundogan had scored that fourth goal on the stroke of half time, I think the second half would have been an absolute... Dead out. Absolute bloodletting, yeah. Um, oh, you think? You think you think City would have gone for it more? Yeah, because I think they were I making... Think they just, I think they just totally managed the game second half. I think there's a demonstration going on, I think, at some level. This league, at City's resources, Pep knows they've been underperforming. They're making it a bit too mm. easy for... And I don't know what's been going on. I think there's been an element of, I think they really missed David Silva. And I think that Bernardo Silva's had a dip in form. Gundogan was brilliant. There was a lot of talk. It was funny on Twitter, like, oh, Gundogan's this and that. Well, yeah, we know that. We know what Gundogan is. We know how good he is. He's been... I, such I love under- Gundogan, man. I, we, I yeah, we, always yeah, love Gundogan. We all do. But this is the thing, Ryan, like, Pete Gundogan was that when he scored those two goals against Barca in the Champions League and he was mm. mind-blowing. And that's who he is. And to me, he's been far too often like below that level, given what he is and who he is. Like, he's extraordinary. He's, on his day, he's the best eight in the world, actually, I think. He's as wow, good as... Wow, big talk, yeah, Musa. Yeah, he's like Gundogan and De Bruyne. Wow, that's... Gundogan was doing what De Bruyne was doing before De Bruyne was doing it. Like, he was running huge games. Like, that Champions League final, go back and watch it. He ran things until Bayern applied the chokehold in the second half. You know, Gundogan, basically, he was one Mario Goetze short of a champ- of defining Champions League victory seven years ago. Yeah, seven he years was dizzy back yeah. then as well. He's been that guy. Like, he's, Gundogan's been that guy for a long time. The thing about City, though, if they win the game in hand, they're a point behind Liverpool and Manchester United. That's very interesting and spicy. Mm. Uh, we'll talk about Man United in a second. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So Manchester United are level on points, well, at the time of recording, level on points at the top of the Premier League with Liverpool. Well, well, well. Really impressive comeback from losing, you lose 6-1 at home to Spurs, and then you have some anxious results at home, including a 0-0 at Chelsea, with Chelsea. i got to say, it's such an impressive turnaround. Like, mm. And one thing I want to, you know, this is, this is praise absolutely for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and... One thing I think that I underestimate, that we underestimate generally, is what it means to have someone that has won a defining, you know, you, you, someone that's won a champ for that generation of footballers. He's that bit older than them. They would have grown up either watching him or with stories around him. And, you know, that myth and that legend, that's someone who, you know, the more successful a club becomes, they go on a run of form, there's an aura there. There's an aura that he has that I think that it's easy for people like me to underestimate, which maybe becomes really important in big games. Um, you know, and he's maybe the aura or maybe the diamond struck again, Musa. <laughs> maybe. maybe, maybe, maybe. And, and I think, you know, to hit, we, I've given him credit before, I think, in bits and starts in this podcast, because every now and again, he's done things that are tactically really interesting. And the most impressive thing I think he did actually a while back was actually, was still playing Jesse Lingard as a false nine on mm. the break against Spurs. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is smart. And what was impressive about United in this game was the way that Bruno Fernandes always plays downhill. And I say downhill, not in a kind of way, not he's careless, but the way that he goes forward, the way that he plays on the front foot, it really empowers United. And, you know, Paul Pogba would be the best midfielder in the world if he played with the urgency of Fernandes. He doesn't because that urgency is a temperament thing. But the urgency that Fernandes has given United is, is really thrilling because it then inspires, it's not like Juan Bissaka. You see Juan Bissaka has been criticised for his lack of attacking contribution. You know, I'm not sure that's a technical thing. I think mean, that's a psychological thing as well. 
Mm. But to see Wan-Bissaka breaking forward with increasing confidence and providing a superb assist for Martial's opener, I'm like, oh, this team has been galvanized by this guy in ways that are, you know, that you can't, I, I don't think you can measure in stats what Fernandez is. You can't measure the encouragement he gives to other players. Yeah, he's more than a hop, skip and a jump. Oh no, he's, he's, he's a real, he's a, he's a true catalyst actually. Who was it that was talking about him being like an old school Serie Was it Greg, Greg Johnson? Beautiful analogy, Greg Johnson. Yeah, right? talking about yeah. him being like an old 90s free roaming Serie A number 10. Yeah, I love that That's analogy. such a big yeah. shout. That's such a big he shout. He compared him to like that, that 90s film Demolition Man, didn't he? Where like, where's yeah. his life comes forward in time and it's basically just chaotic. Um, but it, was, it, a, was it him who said the Serie A thing? It was him, yeah. And there's yeah. a point to the chaos, as Greg pointed out. It's a strategic chaos. It's like, we're going to light a lot of fires here and see mm. which one catches. Like our podcast, man. Control chaos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I bring the chaos, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> wow. Wow, someone's talking big of himself. <laughs> well, thank you, Ryan. You said the nicest well, thing. Well, you bring the chaos, I bring the ruckus. That's true. That, that, now, that is the honest truth. Uh, I was going to say, right face killer. You've got all the names, haven't you? No, I haven't. That doesn't work, no. though. No, true, true. Um, but United against Villa. So Villa, this was a... Method moves. Statement victory. Method moves. This was a statement <laughs> victory for Manchester Stop that. <laughs> this was a statement victory for Manchester United because Villa, a really good side, and equalised... It was an amazing United. game of football. Sorry to it was, him, but yeah, it, was it was an amazing game. game of football. This game was so fun. So, so fun. Tempo was superb. And... You know, Eric Bailly does what Bailly does, but overall showing why he was such a prospect and why he mm. is on his day, just a superb player. And they played, United were playing boldly out from the yeah. back. They were playing bravely and this was, they were rewarded for that. And, you know, Pogba as well, it's funny, we've said this before, like Pogba, which sound, it sounds wild that a player that was the world's most expensive player for a while should not be the primary creator when Pogba's not the primary creator, it's almost like the Juventus dynamic now, isn't it? Where the chief string puller is not Pogba and he can kind of just do his thing. And he really likes that. Yeah. Like I, he really, I, really likes that. I yeah. think yeah. Like people, well, first of all, that, that, that was that one pass that he hit through the middle, which was like a pass he hit against Belgium. No one else passes like that on, on, his day, on their day. Like, Paul Vincent Company was watching the Man United Villa game being like, just having flashbacks. Exactly. <laughs> Just like seeing Mbappe jumping over the sofa behind him. <laughs> but I think, I, I think Pogba's been playing really well at the moment. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we often talk about Pogba and Ozil in the same <laughs> similar time when we're talking about them. Because I think there are loads of really interesting parallels between them. And we've said many times with Ozil, is this, like, if he was an alpha, which I think like Fernandez, for example, I think Bruno Fernandez is more of an alpha. Yes, I agree. I agree. And I think if Pogba or Ozil, like you said before, had that urgency, and I think that that maybe comes in terms of, you know, if they had that alpha energy, they wouldn't get half the shit they get. I don't no, they wouldn't. they wouldn't. They wouldn't. But I think they enjoy having other players around there who want to who wanna be the man. I don't think they actually want to be the man. Yeah. But yeah, Pogba, when you have someone else there to take the kind of the, lo- the workload off him, you then free him up to actually be the player that he is as opposed to trying to make him be a player that he's not. Right, right. Can I just have a quick shout out for Matty Cash who, right, so over the weekend I was watching Thor Ragnarok, right? And you know that bit where Thor returns and there's the play going on and it's actually yes. Liam Hensworth playing Thor yeah. in it. Matty Cash looks like someone who's playing Jack Grealish in a, <laughs> in, a fictional, in a fictional version of like his life. <laughs> Doesn't he? <laughs> That's such. A, you know, the, only thing, the only thing that gives it away are the, are, the, are the socks. Like if Matty Cash wore his socks down like Jack Grealish. I think Matty Cash and Jack Grealish are the two, I've said this many times, they're the two people, if you walked into a bar in the city and everyone was like, who are the two footballers in here? You'd be like, it's those oh, two. 100%. Yeah, What I love about, and this is not, I don't say this as a kind of criticism, I love it. No, you genuinely I, love this because you talk yeah, about this all the time. They remind me of the guys I grew up with like back home, like in Hillingdon. You know, the local guys, like the boy racers with the spoilers in their cars, just like the good, and everyone loved them, right? And everyone just knew, like, that was their thing. They just loved it. And mm. back, but, but of course, Grealish is the guy, like, he'd be the guy that worked at the local gym. He'd be like the fitness instructor. You know what I mean? He's like that guy. He's a fitness instructor, like, or the PE teacher. But the way that, the way that he's played, the way that Villa have played this year, 
The reason I was so hyped about this victory for United was because they're just a brilliant team. Villa, they're legit. They've recruited really well. They play great stuff. Traore's looked great in recent weeks. They're such a great Premier League outfit. Mm. So at any time you win over them, you know, this, you know, this, they could release a season DVD now and it would have more highlights. They've a third of the season gone and have more highlights than most of most teams previous season. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, they're legit Villa, like, and they are, you know, they're not, yeah, they're tough to beat. Quickly, West Ham beating Everton 1-0 at Goodison Park. It's a good result. Really impressive win that. Really impressive. really well at the moment. Uh, Spurs were pretty impressive against Leeds, 3-0. Uh, at home, although it kind of didn't really feel like a three nil. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like well, it was, it was. Um, the margin wasn't as great as the scoreline suggested, but that's that's. Well, also I mean, it just Spurs. felt very low key, very routine for Spurs in a way. They just did. They just executed really well. It was actually pretty smart from Mourinho, like closing them down really high up, putting loads of pressure on them, just in areas that they didn't really want it. Right. And yeah, I mean, was that hundred goals for Son now for Spurs? Brilliant. Which is wild. And Spurs, they kind of need that a little bit. Fullback on United, but they're in the mix still. That's the thing. And it's really shaping up this league with City resurgent. Um, And the thing is, now that City know they can play that style, Mm. I I don't think City are going to, well, this of course is the COVID season. We don't know what happens with COVID outbreaks. Anything could happen. It's wild that we're even playing this league season. Can I just say, actually, sorry. I know, I know, I know. There's times we forget. It's COVID, like. I know. It's, you know, every now and again, yeah, but it's a pandemic going on. Every now and again, I'm like watching these, uh, these games and I'm like, hang on a minute. Stands are empty. I hear echoing play. You know, you, we forget we've normalized so quickly that there's a pandemic on. And so outbreak of COVID, especially if players get long COVID, which players have it, long COVID, it changes everything. The season is still a catfish. It's still ridiculous because tomorrow Liverpool could get 10 cases. Mm. They could, anyone could, it could. Look at Spurs having, you know, Lo Celso and Lamella testing positive, but the wear and tear yeah, the on wear and players and the squad really, yeah. yeah, the squad depth. I mean, you know. Well, they shouldn't have been naughty boys then, should they? They shouldn't, especially the backlog of aims they have, the backlog yeah. of games. Yeah. Brighton three, Wall Street. That was a hell of a game. I mean, seven Portugal players in the starting lineup, which a lot of people remarked upon. We're basically wearing a Portugal kit as well. I yeah, love that yeah. Wolves awake. I love Wolves them. are just trolling in plain sight. They're just like. They're owning it. Yeah, they're owning it. I respect yeah, it. We're going to do a Portugal kit as our awake kit. Yeah. That was a big point for Brighton who really, really needed it. Yeah. And a lot of uh, resilience to come back. Uh, should we talk about Easy's goal? Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm going to be hype machine, hype machine. Crystal Palace to Sheffield United nil. The goal by Izzy. I'm going to throw some hype in there. Didn't it remind me of? Fiorentina era, Roberto Baggio. The way that he ran with the low shoulders and the eyes up the whole way, and the economy of movement, and the body, the change of direction. There's a goal that Baggio scores for Fiorentina where he makes a run from a similar, he starts from a similar point. And there's no stepovers, not the stepovers, anything wrong with my love stepovers, but it's all balance, momentum. Gorgeous, gorgeous finish. And then the early finish in the top of the box. It was, it was Rolls Royce. It was a classic. It was so easy. You know, we talk about Serie A playmakers. That was a Serie A playmaker goal, actually. And he was constantly looking for the options. He was breaking the field, looked up, what's the best option? Next option, what's the next option? He was making decisions. You see him as he runs, making choices the entire way. It's not just like, I put my head down and score. It's like, no, let me assess all the options. Oh, mm. I have to score. That's the best option. I love this guy so much. I love this player. You know what I was thinking when he was, when he was doing the goal? I was like, this is just the way my head works. I was like, is he, is he singing and the beat goes on by the whispers? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you know, it's, it's funny because I'm actually working on something in the moment where there's a player that goes through on goal and then in his head he hears classical because this, this person's energy is too much. But I think with him, you could almost set that goal to music. You should probably set it to music and see how it comes out. Before we leave the Isle of our motherland, Yes. Which we probably shouldn't go to anytime soon until we got our residency permits because they might not let us back in. Before we leave the sunlit uplands of the United Kingdom. There was no fun derby on the weekend. Rangers beat Celtic 1-0 at Ibrox. Second old firm win of the season for Rangers and their third in a row over Celtic. Steven Gerrard is slowly winning the arm wrestle, isn't he? But Celtic have three games in hand on Rangers. If they win all three, 
they're still 10 points behind Rangers at the top. The only two games Celtic have lost in the league this season have been the Old Firm derbies and Rangers are unbeaten. They've played 22 games, Rangers. They've won 20, drawn two, scored 57, conceded. They've conceded five goals in 22 games. And this is the thing about Steven Gerrard as a manager. It can be hard to gauge because, you know, clubs like Rangers and Celtic have such great resources. I think, weird enough, it's more impressive because, you know, he didn't go to Celtic, he went to Rangers, which was a tougher job. As an, and he's done, and I think for me, I said this before, it was his results in Europe that really started to impress me. Mm. Because that's a yardstick, I think, because the, the resources are more equal there. He is just a good manager. It's hard to tell how, what his peak is, but certainly at this point, like he's not, he, he's a good manager, Stephen Gerrard. He's a good manager. And however long he stays at Rangers, I'd be really interested to see which other clubs are looking at him. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'd be fascinated to see whose sort of scouting reports he's popping up on, like for long-term projects. Because I, I think he is on quite a few radars now. If that makes oh, 100%. Sense. I mean, you really can't fault his decision to go there. No, no, I thought it was a really brave, I thought it was a really brave thing to do, to be honest. Mm. Because it wasn't a ready-made thing. It wasn't just like, you know, Rangers had a lot of issues when he got there. And oh, yeah. there was, it was set up to fail. He, it, I don't know if he spoke to Klopp before taking the job. I don't know who got advice from. But when I saw him taking the job, I was like, this is bold. Like, this is a... Yeah. Uh, a guy that wants to be held accountable, mm. someone who doesn't want it on a plate, and to restore the kind of Rangers aura, which is a huge, you know, you talk about legacy, that's a legacy. Mm. At whatever point, however long he stays at Rangers, he restored them. He made them, you know, feared again in Scotland at a time when they, you know, they, frankly, they were, people were laughing at them for a long time. I mean, the fact that they've closed the gap on Celtic and not only closed the gap on Celtic, but open up their own gap in front of them is remarkable. And yes, Celtic aren't Celtic have had issues under, under Neil Lennon. But still, still Celtic. Yeah. It's a, it, yeah. I don't think it's, it can be overstated how, how, how impressive Steven Gerrard has been at Rangers and how impressive Rangers have been this season. Apart from the, and they lost the league cup game to St. Mirren, but without well, sounding disrespectful to the, the league cup, but they've got bigger fish to fry. The league is the big this, one, yeah. This is the big have, one. Yeah, I mean, stopping that Celtic run for a start, but winning the league would be unbelievable. Right, right. But yeah, man, props to Steven Gerrard. Big win for very Rangers. Much so, very much so. Just quickly before we go to another break, it was a Super Classico this weekend. Boca, oh, it was just such a, such a typical Super Classico. <laughs> Do you know well, I mean? those games have all been, they've been super hectic, those recent ones, the recent encounters between those two. I mean, they're always just, wild I mean actually weirdly I think it was probably one of I can't remember which one it was but there was a really boring one in comparison not too long ago and it was a bit like oh, that's a shame but it was just a normal football game that was actually pretty good but yeah Boca 2 River Plate 2 so just the two red cards in this game and then uh, Sebastian Villa scored with a few minutes to go after, after Carlos Tevez assist can I say this about Carlos Tevez he never saw a big game he didn't love the look of he never saw a big game he didn't like. He absolutely, this man, some people wake up on game day and there's the anxiety, the butterflies. I think Tevez plays a round of golf in the morning before a game. I, I really think, I've never seen somebody feast on adversity as relentlessly as Carlos Tevez. Mm. And this was in the uh, Copa Diego Maradona and then basically it meant that it was kind of still all square at the top of the group. Buck or a top on goal difference. Also, it was the, it's the Libertadores back this week, so I think one eye was very much on that. So yeah. two or draw, red card each, probably take that before the game. And also there was no fans of the Bombonera, so it was a bit like, meh. Yeah. Sad. All right, let's rattle through some stuff around Europe this weekend. Uh, we're going to talk about Poch going to PSG on Wrighty's House. Yep, yep. Because you and I are on Wrighty's House this week. That's right. It's based like a stadio part two. <laughs> but even better with Ray, like it's stadio supercharged. No doubt. A super stadio. Let's go to the Bundesliga. Oh. Mites, Mites, Schalke, Schalke, Schalke. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Schalke, 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 who are on their fourth manager of the season. Christian Gross is now in charge of Schalke, which is a weird appointment anyway. I think they lost in Berlin on Saturday. Shout out to Gwendozi, he got a nice goal, beautiful goal. 
It was a lovely goal. Yeah, he's shown, but, he's shown he's shown something at Hertha. He's got two. He's got two this season for Hertha. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, after score after no, I don't think he ever scored for Arsenal. Um, but yeah, they beat Schalke three 0 on Saturday at the Olympiastadion. Schalke are now one game away from equaling Tasmania's all-time winless run in the Bundesliga, which is thirty-one. They're now on thirty. The next game is against Hoffenheim at home. It's winnable. Is it winnable? It's winnable. It's winnable. It is winnable. You are right. It is winnable. It's winnable. Hoffenheim aren't pulling up trees at the moment. They're really not Hoffenheim. They they run a patchy run of form. They kind of they beat Gladbach last game before Christmas. But other than that, it's three three defeats since they beat Augsburg. Mainz were two 0 up against Bayern at the Allianz at halftime. Could have been three as well. Two on one against Neuer, neither could actually finish it. They ended up losing the game 5-2, which is kind of... This always happens with Bayern. Whenever I switch on to watch Bayern games, they just score literally within a matter of minutes. Yeah, and the, the most terrifying thing about Bayern, I think we can all safely say, is that Joshua Kimmich is not only back, but scoring for them. Well, this was a really interesting switch that Hansi Flick did at halftime, which changed the game. He took off Pavar at halftime, moved Kimmich to right back, and... Uh, brought on Goretzka in the middle of midfield. He also brought on Nicolas Zula for Jerome Boateng. But it was really interesting because they kind of switched to like a 4-1-4-1 then. It seemed to be that way where Tolisso was really high. Um, you had Sané, Thomas Muller, Serge Gnabry, and then Lewandowski. I mean, Lewandowski got two and an assist of the five. But to me, Kimmich, he's just amazing. I'm running out of, I'm running out of things to say about Joshua Kimmich, to be honest. Because... Bayern's best centre centre midfielder is also their best right back. Yep, yep. And they're the European champions. Now imagine how good you have to be to be the best right back and best centre midfielder at the European champions. He's the heir to Philip Lahm in every sense. Mm -hmm. In every sense. Like, And it's strange to say that because when Philip Lahm came along, we're like, that's a generational talent because he was elite. Yeah, he was an elite centre midfielder and elite right. But actually, you could argue, it's like controversy here. Do I even go there? You could argue that Kimmich as a central midfielder could end up, could not, is not the present, but could end up perhaps even more accomplished than Lam. In a oh, I don't, I don't think that's a hard take at all, actually. That wasn't me trying to be like, you know, difficult. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's a hard take at all. I think that, you know, I think because he's also moved there earlier on in his career than Philip Lam did. But it's almost, I mean, it's, it's strange even to put it this way, at Lam's peak, could you have imagined this conversation even existing from a fellow Bayern player this soon after, like Lam's? No, not this soon. Not within a decade. Not within a decade. Certainly not. That's what I mean. It's such a strange thing that we're even here now Mm. and he's fulfilled this potential. And this is a guy who also, in certain situations, circumstances, can do a very good job at centre-back too. Mm. Like, I mean, he's just, he's extraordinary, isn't he? Yeah, Kimmich is amazing. He's unbelievable. I mean, I remember saying a while, I think ages ago, that when he first started mixed or getting played in central midfield I didn't like it because he was so good at right back right I wasn't really into that it felt a little bit unnecessary but how wrong I was because he's just so accomplished there yeah his positional switch pretty much changed the game with the addition of Goretzka and a slight tactical shift as well admittedly yeah, but yeah. that's how good he is it was important win for Bayern because Leipzig had beaten uh, Stuttgart the day before to go top and the win took Bayern back top by two points Bayer Leverkusen slipped off away at Eintracht and were not good, actually. Although, there was a lovely goal in this game. Yeah, one of the goals of the season, really. The Amiri goal. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Doppel-tunnel, as uh, the commentator kept saying. Doppel-tunnel. What did he call it? He called it amazing. So basically, he gets the ball on the edge of the box, nutmegs a defender. Was it with a, with a pirouette. With a pirouette. Yeah. Was it Hinteregger he nutmeg? And then he basically dribbles to the right of the goal so the keeper comes out and then back heels it through the keeper's legs. Unbelievable. And both are completely intentional. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. The Amiri goal opened the scoring for Leverkusen and then yeah. Eunice, Eunice got a goal back for Eintracht and then it was a tap sober own goal which was really unfortunate. There were quite a few own goals in the Bundesliga this, this weekend. I'm a bit sad for Bayer Leverkusen because you know, the loss to Bayern was self-inflicted and now to lose two on the bounce like they, they are a legit team and I think Maybe that defeat hit their confidence a bit because it was almost like moment of truth. People weren't really giving them props. They undid a lot of good work with that defeat, I have to say. 
obviously they're still they're still doing well, but they undid a lot of good work. I mean, they've got a chance to make it up next weekend because they play with Werder Bremen at home. And Werder are quite accommodating. Yeah, Werder are not great. They lost to Union on the weekend 2-0. Shout out to Union because Urs Fischer is doing an amazing job there. He really is. Dortmund beat Wolfsburg 2-0 at home. Goal and assist for Jadon Sancho. He assisted uh, Akanji's header from a corner and scored the, the clinching goal uh, in stoppage time at the end of the game as Wolfsburg were pushing for an equaliser with just a wonderful bit of disrespect, basically. <laughs> he, he crossed over poor Paolo Silva, who was scampering. You described it to me really beautifully. Um, you were like, he crosses him over, Musa. And I was, it looked like that, like a basketball move. You know what it felt like, actually, to be honest? It felt like a nature program. Oh. It felt like a nature program, like in the savannah, when you just see the lion, the gazelle, and you're like, oh, what a terrible shame. What a terrible, terrible shame this is. Because it's, you know, you know it looked like, you know, I've not seen a defender that lonely. And I, I'm sorry to, in advance to any family members listening to this show. I've not been a defender that lonely since Thierry Henry went through one-on-one against Chris Perry. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind stuff. We don't really go after players like this on Stadio, but I don't mind it in this sense because we've all been there. We've Palo all been there. We've all been, it's not mean. It's, this, is, this isn't us taking the piss out of Paolo Silva. This is actually us being like, it's, we've know, all been there. This is very much a kind of like, my name's Paolo Silva, and you're probably wondering how I got here. Moment. Yeah, exactly. Do you exactly. Know what I mean? <laughs> like we've all been. Listen, we've all been there. We want no parts of it. Yeah, Paolo. Wolfsburg have defended well this year, and they've played yeah, really great. Have. They have, they've done really well. And, you know, Paolo Silva was like, I'm sorry, my guy. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you, know, you know what it reminds me of? I was watching Road to Perdition this, um, this week. And there's a scene at the very end when Tom Hanks, the gunman, arrives and basically like takes them all out. And Paul Min just looks at me and goes, I'm glad it was you. I just wonder, <laughs> I wonder if Paolo Silva was like, if it had to be anyone, it's okay that it was Jadon Sancho. This was an impressive result against a Wolfsburg team who, have been resilient, impressive, and quietly ascending the table. Tricky to beat. You know, they've only lost twice this season. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. they'd only lost once before this. I mean, they're doing that. They were doing that thing where, I mean, they hadn't lost at all until Wolfsburg, yeah. um, until Bayern beat them just before Christmas in the league. They were doing that thing that Wolfsburg, I think they did it last season. Didn't they open their last season with played 10 drawn 5 lost uh, drawn 5 won 5 they won the last three unbeaten teams in the whole mm. of Europe last year yeah and they were doing yeah. it again this season so they've only lost to Bayern and Dortmund yeah this weekend coming up in the Bundesliga is going to be amazing though so you have the top I think 6 of the top 7 playing each other Bayern go to Gladbach Dortmund go to Leipzig and Union host Wolfsburg where now, Akwanga? Do you want to go La Liga or...? The one thing at La Liga was, I think, quite impressive was Real went top of the league, albeit with Atleti having three games in hand. And Atleti, I think, psychologically really important. They got that win over Alaves. Mm. Um, they got the late winner through Suarez. They're just, they're just an impressive side this year. They are the best team in Spain. Uh, they're worth, they're well worth that lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're well worth that lead, I think. Barca, again, struggling to a win. A slightly laboured victory. And Messi looking a bit... Messi did a sort of, not a scissor kick, but sort of a, his, a, a scissor kick wide of the goal, like in the first half. And I just kind of thought, ah, it's one of those afternoons, Leo. You know, it's one of those afternoons. <laughs> I, uh, I can't tell you how much I love that. What, him putting it wide? It's just yes. that whole so, thing. I was just like. Yeah, exactly. Oh, hang on a minute. So Messi does shit that I do. Yeah, this yeah. Great. <laughs> Quickly going back to the Atleti Alaves game. Mm. Well, the Alaves Atleti game, they were really helped by that LaGuardia sending off because they made heavy going in this game. It took probably Jao Felix's introduction and got the assist for the winner yeah. to really get Atleti going. But, you know, one of those, like, if they win the league by three points, those are the games that'll do it. Exactly, especially with Real there and thereabouts again. Yeah. It was the El Gran Derby, the best fixture in Spain on the weekend, which was so different without fans. Betis and Sevilla drawing one all. Neville Fakir missed a penalty. Although I have no idea what he was doing here. Did he take it off some? He took it off Canales, who had already scored a penalty. Sevilla took the lead from, with Suso just after half time. And then it was only about five minutes later, Betis got a penalty. Canales put it away. And then 20 minutes later, another penalty. And Fakir took it off Canales and missed it. In a derby. In a derby. In a derby. 
Does and that I mean, happen in front of fans? Does that happen in front of fans though? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, um, you never know. I, I wonder about things. I wonder about these, like, it's such a brave and bold thing to do. Maybe like, maybe Bakir is struggling for more for, more for, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch enough Betis games to really understand where that thought process came from. But that's a player looking for a moment, isn't it? Mm. That's a player looking for a moment and a statement. You don't do that unless you're, yeah, I mean, he's got a goal and an assist in 15 games in the league this season. So he's not, right, right. He's not absolutely balling out by any means. Some news for Betis. Guadrado's about to leave. Looks like he's going to the MLS. Mm. Uh, or going to MLS, I should say. No the in MLS, Musa. Yes, no the. So we've probably been corrected several times. Uh, no one's actually corrected us. Everyone lets us just say it. It's, but it there is, and we get emails know, about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, straight to junk. <laughs> Let's jump to say, uh, yeah, yeah. So Andrea Perlo has come out and said that Olivier Giroud would be a useful signing for Juventus. He's not wrong. He'd be a useful signing for anyone in Europe. And what I think he's saying specifically is that you've got Chiesa mm. as a wide forward and Dybala. Giroud would be a great deputy for Ronaldo. And we'll also complement him quite well in the front too, I think, at this point. Mm. Would link the play. And, you know, and Maratta as well. You've got a nice stable of strikers there. Juve with a, you know, quite impressive win over Udinese 4-1. Yeah, 4-1. And Ronaldo, that means he broke Pele's record for all-time career goals. Although he didn't, because <laughs> Santos came out and said, actually, wait, Pele scored a thousand for us. And to be fair to Santos, people have been made fun of, made fun of Santos, but Clubby, okay, let me just say this. There's a, I will mention having gone to Brazil, but there's a point to this. Oh my God. When you go to the official Santos Club Stadium, the, the Santos Club Museum, right, which is in the Santos ground, Pele has very clearly in that, he's got a thousand goals there. And I think there's, um, there's two other players, there's Pepe and Coutinho who played for Santos as well. It wasn't news that Pele had that many goals. So when I remember seeing Messi had broken, I was like, well, I've seen the Santos numbers and they're really, really high. Mm. And I think you've got to respect that. Like, it's not like they've suddenly like made these up or retrofitted them. That's how they counted them back then. So that's how it's done. Like, I think it's, I don't know how they assess these goals. It's professional games or not getting friendly. I don't know how it works. But also bearing in mind that football was different. And like, who are we to say that those weren't real games of football because Pele was playing at one point. I mean, if you see his playing schedule, Pele was playing like 20 games a month at one point. Pele's schedule was more like a touring musician than a touring footballer. And there's that famous thing, the famous comment by his physio who said when Pele was 28, he had the knees of a man who was 70. This is why I'm slightly worried about going, oh, most career goals. I'm like, are we just looking for numbers or can we just say, to be honest, it was a different time and these numbers don't really mean, the comparisons are not always useful because the physical burden those players endured, I think has to be respected to an extent. Like, I don't know, I'm, I'm a bit like, I'm always a bit weird about, I'm weird about numbers like this, to be honest. I know it sounds a bit silly. I know it's being a bit reductive. I'm a bit weird about numbers like this. Because it was kind of like Santos, it was almost like, ooh, Pele scored against the Farmers team. I'm, well, if Messi was playing in Pele's time, Messi would have been forced to play fixtures like Pele did. And so would Ronaldo. The best players in the world get treated really, really well now, time to recover. But back then they were treated like cattle, to be honest. So I just, I want to just push back on that slightly because I think it's quite easy to dump on players from a previous era but not understand the horrifying physical burden they were put under. So yeah, sorry for my rant, but had to say it. Well, how about this for some numbers? Ronaldo's got 14 goals in his first 11 Serie A appearances this season. Wow, that's a lot of goals. That is a lot of goals. Top five stayed as you were, basically, because all of them won. The statement win here was the uh, Atlanta Sassuolo. Because Sassuolo are kind of like, you know, people call him the new Atalanta, and then Atlanta are almost like, no, no, this is a... With a, with a big a Atalanta scoreline as well. Uh, what, what's important about this game, I think, the continued great form of Divan Zapata this season, but what was mm -hmm. really striking is the return of Ilicic to the chief playmaker role because Papu Gomez obviously has fallen out with Gasparini. Mm. Just a shout out to Ilicic who's, you know, had those months out with difficult personal problems and is really doing beautiful things now back to form and watching them celebrate with him after he got an assist for, I think it was Atlanta's second. Mm. Beautiful floated pass between two players. It's like, you know what he's like? Ilicic is basically like, He's like Jokic for the Denver Nuggets in basketball. Mm. You know, like the best passing big man in basketball. Ilicic is arguably the best passing big man of the last 
you know, a couple of years in Serie A. All right. I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to go big then. No, no, no. The last couple of years in Serie A. <laughs> so in terms of like a passing big, mm. Jokic is like a sort of basketball type center, like where he's big, but that's actually not where the kind of the guy already lies. Yeah. Milan beat Benevento 2-0 despite going down to 10 men. Uh, Sandro Tonali got sent off. Milan against Juve next weekend. No, it's not. It's midweek. <gasps> okay, we're going to have to talk about that on Thursday. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we go? No, I think we're good, actually. I think we're good. I think we're good. I think we're good. Oh, do you want a quick dad update? Yeah, why not? Please, dad update. Always, always. Said, uh, what, did you be- what did you bleep out from Musa the other day? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, just the same old boring stuff. Just the Brazil stuff. I was like, he's going to talk about the Stay Hydrated. No, it was the Stay Hydrated on the last one. I was like, and he was just, and my dad, was, my dad found it very funny. He's oh. Like, because I, I was just like, you're not going to do it, are you? Oh my God, you're not going to do it. I hope you had a great festive season, actually, your dad. And the Dad's all right. Yeah, dad, uh, dad was in the wars a little bit. I won't go into it, but he was, um, yeah, his arm was in a sling. But he's, oh uh, yeah, but I think he's all right. Hi, dad. Yes, yes. Hello, Mr. Hun. I was going to say thank you for providing half of this podcast. Two thirds. Two thirds, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, true, actually. <laughs> Steady on me, sir. Every podcast, you get a goal and assist. <laughs> Every podcast, I feel like I've, I'm playing with 10 men. You are. You are. <laughs> 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 I'm the only man to get a red card for his own podcast. Oh, fucking Moose has been sent off again. Just to feel something. Moose Lashed is- out his cables. Pulled out his <laughs> cables to feel something. <laughs> right, let's get out of here. Let's do it. Let's do it. I really need to get some ginger tea down me. Yeah. Yeah, we hope everyone's staying safe and well, doing all right, enjoying the year so far. Yeah, um, yeah. Feels nice to be back, actually. It felt weird not doing a podcast for a week. Like, did not actually. recording. Yeah. Found myself just sitting down at my microphone, talking into... It wasn't recording. I was just, you know, hi, hi, everyone. Talking right. to the void. I mean, it's just how like, that sat there, like, swaying, just being like, right and review the podcast. <laughs> 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 Waking up in my sleep. It really helps us grow a podcast. <laughs> Just, yeah. There's a catfish. There's a catfish. <laughs> yeah, don't forget you can check us on on Twitter at Stadio, Instagram, Stadio Football, uh, check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Any slander at Okwanga on Twitter. You can you don't need mine. You don't need mine. You can just leave me alone. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we're playing out on Dabry and Doom Air. It's the first time we've played out on a tune twice. Yeah, this one goes out to Doom and his family. Rest in peace. And we'll be back with Wrighty's house on Wednesday. Starting on Thursday. So until then, take care. Stay well. The beat is sicker than the blood in your stool The way it repeats could trick you like a stuttering fool Uttering butter king jewels His mother been cool Schooled on how to wash away the crud in the drool pool Made his chrome dome glisten At first he couldn't tell she had a chromosome missing Kept a spear somewhere in his underwear He swear to help her get the gum out her hair they need to get their thumb out their rears and show some skills the one time they come out in years instead of dumbing out in fears of their own shadow in a game that swell them up to dead them like cattle take your rattle and skedaddle before you get a whipping with the pen and pad paddle ghouls got a modeling gear he came with more rhymes than molecules in air From the party, look good, I know you have the God bless. Rock wine, rock a man's spine. What, what you like now? Let the man ever bring out a man tonight for a special night. We do it something like this. The track was like a thorn in his back As for the rhymes, I'll give y'all fair warning It's crack, whoever starts to smoke it, come back Quit or catch a heart attack up in some bum shack Sharper than a thumbtack His body was a temple, made of chemicals to the dimple To him still it wasn't so simple Kept his right and left hand beefing One knocking teeth in, the other one chiefing But first, the song will make you wanna stomp your ten toes Souped up hoopty pinto off a pimp my whip Before they put the system in and had it all stripped there ain't no need to trip. Indeed, he ripped scripts from here to Jabit. Get a grip, leave with a dag mess for beer. Burning like a bag of swag sets in the air. 